0: Welcome to the podcast of Life Change Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. And then today we're going to talk about margin within our finances. So you picked a good Sunday to come. Here's what we know. God is full of grace and mercy, and he knows that we experience that grace and mercy so much more when we have margin. We need margin for error because we are all human, right? We all make mistakes, Um, we all have limits, and when we push those limits, bad things can happen. Beyond the limits is where regret happens and where mistakes can happen and where sin can happen. And it's just not where God intended us to be. Life is better for all of us when we have a little bit of margin in each and every one of these areas. So, what we're talking about today is margin within our finances, and we're going to define margin as the space between our current pace and our breaking point. So I compare the finance talk at church as the birds and the bees talk at home with your teenagers, right? The parents don't want to have the conversation, the teenagers don't want to have the conversation, and yet the conversation still needs to be had. So you can clearly see why Corbin has left me to do the dirty work of the sole parent to speak to you today on having margin within our finances. Don't you love how that just worked out? So we're gonna compare margin in our finances today with the game of bowling. Is there anyone in the room who has never been bowling? Everyone's been bowling, right? We love bowling at our house. Um, At the end of kindergarten, when Burke graduated kindergarten last year, she came home with this bowling coupon for the summer where you could, um, kids bowl free all summer long. And I thought it was gonna be like a monthly coupon or maybe a weekly coupon. But what I didn't expect is that it's a coupon for each day of the summer. So all summer long, on Saturdays I'd get an email and there'd be a coupon for Burke, a coupon for Griff, and then a coupon for one parent. And we could go bowling every single day in the summer. Now the kicker to this was you paid a small fee up front for the summer past, but then you still had to pay for shoe rental um, when we went. But at $2.50 a pop, we could still all bowl for less than $10, so it ended up being a pretty good gig. And I don't know if this happens just because I'm a pastor's wife um, or if it's because I'm 36 and I'm getting more wise. I say that loosely. Um, But I'll be doing a very common task, like bowling, and then in my head I'll be breaking it down like how you could preach it. Is this just me or does anybody else do this? I'm sure none of you do this in your minds. So this is what happened this summer. Kids and I are at the bowling alley. I knew that we were headed into this margin talk. At the time, I didn't even know that I would be doing the finance talk today. And um, I'm thinking about how bowling is a lot like margin within our finances. So that's what we're gonna discuss today. So when you go to the bowling alley, they assign you a lane, right? You have the lane that you need to stay in the whole time. So the lane is gonna represent, today for our finance talk, it's gonna represent the lane of life. And every family unit is different. I grew up in a family of seven. My family unit in my house now is a family of four. So a family of seven looks a lot different than a family of four looks. So the ball is going to represent our jobs. And I borrowed this ball from this lady at work and her daughter bowls in the high school. This is like a 16 pound ball. I will not be holding this the entire time. And I'm just hoping that I don't drop it on my sandals here and crush a toe. I just upgraded to an eight pound ball like two years ago. I've always used a six, I have to go to the front desk and say, can I please have a six pound ball? And that was before we had kids and they probably thought that I was getting it for a child, but it was actually for me. So for the sake of my toes today, I will not be holding the 16 pounder the whole time. This ball is gonna represent our jobs and our income, right? Coming into our household, we all have a lane of life. We all have income and our jobs. And then the pins today are going to represent our monthly expenses. So, for some of us, that's our utility bills, that's our cell phones, it might be your rent payment or your house payment. Um, And then any other monthly bills, like your credit cards, your student loans, your car payments. So the pins are going to represent our expenses and our debts. Now, sometimes we hit the pins and sometimes we don't. Has anyone ever went bowling and rolled a gutter ball? I have, too. The great thing is when you have children, you can request the bumpers to be put up. Somehow my kids, though, still end up rolling gutter balls, even with the bumpers up. There's like a really, really narrow portion at the end of the lane where the last pin and then the bumper stops. Somehow Griff just plans to like, get that thing every single time. So what we're going to compare the bumpers to today is our budget, right? So the gutter balls, that's like all of our wants. Things that we want but aren't necessarily necessary in life. And what we want to avoid is rolling gutter balls in our finances. So we want to put the bumpers up. And the bumpers today are going to represent a budget for our finances. So, of course, I would not be talking to you guys about this today if I didn't have a little bit of experience in financial margin in our own lives. And so we want to go over this brief timeline. Corbin and I have been married for 10 years this year. Um, So we got married in May of 2008. And I like to say that our first year of marriage was like a wasted space. Not that we were actually wasted, but like our finances. We just wasted a lot of money our first year. We were in the mindset of his his income will pay for his bills. My income will pay for my bills, and we'll just do everything separate and then see how it goes. Well, at the end of 12 months, we looked at it, and we were like, wow, we are making zero progress. So we realized then, after about a year of marriage and doing it the wrong way, we realized that we needed to combine forces and really focus on paying down debt. Um, so we got our uh, hands-on a Dave Ramsey, total Money Makeover a book. And if you do not know who Dave Ramsey is, or if you've never heard of him, kind of like a financial guru. What I really, really, really like about him is that his books are set up based off of Christian principles. And so within his uh, finance books, there'll be scripture talking about what Jesus says about finances. And so it's really cool to kind of merge the two and to understand that we have a lot of ways that we can use our finances and we have a short time on this earth and so the best way to use our finances is by looking at how God says to use them and then applying those biblical principles. So um, we started using the Dave Ramsey total money makeover um, around May of 2009 after like a year of doing it all wrong. We set up a budget, we started living on cash only, we started giving ourselves an allowance every two weeks. Every other portion of our income was thrown at debt. And then when we bought Carly Circle, the house we live in now in December of 2010, we were debt-free. We had no bills. All of our credit cards were paid off. All of our student loans were paid off. We had two vehicles paid off, and we bought this house with zero debt, of course, besides the house then. And then Burke was born um, nine months later, and then Griff was born 18 months later, and then 2013, that summer, is when we really started dreaming about Life Change Church and what this church could be in this community. And then some of you were here uh, last month in September when we celebrated our four-year-old birthday. And when I look back at this timeline, what I can see, and we didn't know it at the time, and we had, you know, back when we got married, um, Corb would say little things to me, and like, I thought he might go back into ministry someday. Um... I always thought that God would probably, I would probably end up a politician's wife because I have so much dirt on me. But instead he thought it'd be real funny to make me a pastor's wife instead. So um, in our first year, we call that the wasted zone. But once we really got focused in on our debt and created a budget and created some margin in our finances, that was really when God began to speak to us and to talk about this, what we have today, Life changed Church. And I truly believe that had we have still been buried in all that debt when we got married, it would have been so hard to hear the voice of God telling us to plant this church. The other thing is the likelihood that Corbin would have felt comfortable to leave his business job and to put in his two-week notice and say, hey, I'm going to go start this church from scratch with zero dollars. It would have been so unlikely had we have still been buried in all the debt that we were in when we first got married and um, I like to call Corbin out since he's not here, and he cannot defend himself today. Um, When we got married, so he had a truck that was paid off. He had a car that had a loan on it. He had his motorcycle, Then he had a company car, and then I had my car. We both had student loans. I had about four. This is where my junk comes in. I had about four credit cards that were all maxed out, and I'm not talking maxed out like a thousand dollar line of credit. I'm talking like $10,000 line of credit, so between the two of us, when we got married, he inherited all of my debt the day we joined as one, and we had about $86,000 worth of debt when we got married, and that wasn't including the house that he already owned, so our first year was like wasted, we didn't make any progress at all, and then once we really got serious about paying off debt and being debt-free... Um, it's really when we started to hear the voice of God in our lives and what he would have us to do next. And so I want to challenge you, if you're struggling to hear the voice of God or if you're struggling with what he would have you to do with your life, I know without a shadow of a doubt that that voice is going to become so much stronger and so much clearer um, the sooner that you can eliminate debt and get yourself out of debt. I truly, truly believe that. Um, so let's look at what the Bible has to say about finances. So if you can pull your phones out or get your Bibles out, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6 today, verse 19. And of course, we always want to encourage you to read your Bibles daily. There's a lot of good word in there for us, especially pointing towards our finances. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what we know is when we seek after our own wants and desires, it typically leads to destruction, right? It leads to pain. It leads to the edge of the line. But instead, store up treasures in heaven. And if we seek his kingdom and seek his righteousness, even when our finances— we know that we will experience margin. And what we found in our own lives is that to create margin in our finances, sometimes we have to lower our earthly standard of living and raise your godly standard of living. So for our main point today, what if you get nothing else, take this away. You may need to lower your standard of living in order to raise your quality of life. And again, I'm not asking you guys to do anything that I've not already done. So besides our wasted first year, the other kind of funny thing that happened was when we started selling off these vehicles and he sold his motorcycle and we got rid of the car that we didn't need because he already had a company car, I ended up driving his 1997 Ford Ranger. He liked to call this the Danger Ranger or the Silver Bullet. Um, And when I say that I lowered my standard of living, I mean, I went to like a very nice luxurious SUV with leather and a sunroof and all the bells and whistles that I wanted. And I end up driving this stick shift truck. It was terrible. Number one, I had to learn how to drive a stick shift. Number two, it had no air. And if you know me, you know that when I get hot, I get very angry. I am not, I don't know how I'm going to survive like, you know, in 20 years when all that stuff happens, I don't know how I'm going to do it. So the problem is, I ended up driving this car. The good thing was it was the paid-off car. It was the only paid-off car we had. And since he had a company vehicle at the time, um, I got stuck with the old silver bullet. Um, So when I say that I had to lower my standard of living, I don't mean in Corbin himself. I just meant in the vehicles that we were driving. But I did. I had to learn how to swallow my pride and just suck it up and drive in it for a year. Um, So it was kind of cool. So, the problem is, many of us simply won't do this, right? We either don't know how to lower our standard of living. A lot of us look at our parents and what they've achieved in their lifespan, and we think we need to live at that same level. Um, And we want it all. And again, there's nothing wrong with possessions unless we seek those possessions above God. And to many of us, it's a fine line, and we like to live on the edge, And that edge can lead to stress, it can lead to errors, and it can lead to mistakes. So Corbin and I are real good about living on the edge uh, Thursday night before payday. Does anybody else watch their bank account to make sure that last purchase doesn't clear before your paycheck hits? He'll walk in and I'll say, babe, I've got good news and I've got bad news. Bad news is we've used our debit card way too much. The good news is we didn't bounce. Like we play that game of living on the fine line every two weeks before payday. So, sometimes in our finances, we throw gutter balls, right? We end up, our income, the bowling ball, we end up throwing this more towards our wants, down the gutter, than to the needs, the monthly expenses that we actually need um, for our families. And we need to do a better job at separating the wants versus our needs. Examples of our wants, stuff like eating out. Listen, I'm a working mom. There's nothing more that I love than when they say, hey, we're going out to eat tonight. Yes. No cleaning up the kitchen, no dishes, no prep for me, and I can actually get off my feet, right? The other wants that we have, it might be the new iPhone X. It might be name brand clothing for some. It might be a fancy gym membership or tanning package. For some people, it might be those tattoos or piercings. And for some people, it's, it's expensive cars. We even do this with our kids, right? Like, Burke wanted an American Girl doll, and I'm like, I am not spending anything on American Girl. But we found out that Walmart has a cheaper version for $18. Total score. Sometimes we need to lower our standard of living in order to improve the quality of our lives. And sometimes when we roll those gutter balls, we end up missing the pins altogether. We miss the mark we end up landing more and more in debt. And then we move from I want to I owe. So think about the Snow White and the Seven Dwarf songs. Hi-ho, hi-ho, so off to work we go. And instead, spin that around. When we don't live within margin and we don't have a budget set up, then we end up singing I owe, I owe, so off to work we go. And the truth is, I don't think our problem is a debt problem. I think it's more of a discipline problem. As Americans, I don't think we have an earning problem. I think we all make plenty of money, but we do have a spending problem. Again, I don't think we have a debt problem as much as we do a discipline problem. So what we want to think about today is, are we chasing after treasures on earth, or are we chasing after our treasures in heaven? Are we chasing after wealth and material items, or are we chasing after eternal wealth and our heavenly reward? Are we truly seeking and yearning for trusting God in our finances? God wants more than just a standard of living for us. He wants us to have a quality of life. So again, you may need to lower your standard of living in order to raise that quality of life. So imagine if we sought after him with our finances. Imagine if we chased after his treasures. Imagine the quality of life that we would experience. Sometimes we'd hit the pins. Sometimes we'd avoid the gutters if we put our budgets up and our bumpers up. We would be living a life with margin. So here's how we do that. Here's how we focus on treasures in heaven and creating margin within our finances. Rule number one, we're going to put on our shoes. The shoes are going to represent knowledge, right? We all have knowledge about what we spend, where our money goes from month to month. Knowledge is power. It sets you up for what is right. And we need to start off on the right foot. Sometimes we need to ask God for wisdom in our spending. Um, I started a new job role the last couple years, and I can't tell you how many times I've had to ask Him for wisdom at work. Um, It's never a bad idea to ask God for wisdom and to ask Him for that knowledge. It's always a good place to start. But again, it goes back to seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, even in our finances. Proverbs 15, 14 says, the discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. So know your finances, know how to create a budget, and know when to stop spending. Sometimes we need to spy on our money, right? Sometimes you don't know where the money goes. If you don't have a budget, then you end up wondering... Where did all that pay go? A budget's gonna help you spy on your money and know where each penny goes every month. It's kind of like weight gain. If I'm trying to lose weight, but I refuse to step on the scale, I really have no way of knowing if I'm on the right path or not, right? And finance is setting up a budget, it's the exact same way. It's gonna be really hard to know how much in debt you actually are if you refuse to step on the scale and face the number. Sometimes you just have to get on the scale and face the number. Number two, we want to put our bumpers up. And the bumpers is, again, our budget. Um, A budget is simply listing your income out, listing your expenses, and then following the plan and making it happen. Any extra money, instead of that going towards what you want, (laughs) we need to pay down debt and get out of debt as fast as possible. And this will help us avoid the unnecessary expenses and the gutter balls in life. A budget will help you spend on what you need rather than what you want. So let's go to John. He describes the Holy Spirit in this way in John chapter 14, verse 26. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So I like to compare the Holy Spirit, stay with me, this is a loose term, with the air blower at the bowling alley, right? Like the little air blower that's right there where your ball return comes back. So the air blower helps dry your hands off. If you have sweaty palms or you just need to dry your hands off, it helps you to get a better grip. Well, that Holy Spirit, if we ask him for help, it can also help us to get a better grip on our income and what we're spending our money on. Number three, we want to use our arrows. At some bowling alleys uh, where the carpet separates the wood, um, kind of back towards the approach lane, sometimes it's arrows. At the Heath Bowling Alley, there's little dots on the floor, and they help you to know, you know, should you move left? Should you move right? Are you centered to get the ball to where you need to go? The arrows is going to represent the wise people in our lives. All of us have someone that is more wise than us, right? And if you don't, You're lying to yourself because you think you're the wisest one. (laughs) Corbin is my wise person. Um, This might be your pastor. It might be your best friend. It might be your spouse. It might be your parent. All of us know our parents were always right in everything, right? Everything that they said turned out to be true. Uh, It's a hard fact to face. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And we need these sharp people in our life, not only to speak into us so that we know if this is a good purchasing decision or not, but we actually need to heed their advice as well. So Corbin is my iron, sharpening my iron, and I promise that we have a really good marriage. It is really strong, but occasionally I'll get these emails like this at work um, where Corbin says, do not use the, and it's in all caps just like this, Do not use the debit card. I repeat, do not use the debit card. Those are the days that I know that Corbin is sitting in front of our computer looking at our monthly bills, and he sees that I've run out of my cash allowance already, usually by like Tuesday after payday. And then when I start using the debit card on things that I want and not things that our family needs, I get these nasty emails from my husband. But he is my iron. I'm the spender and he's the saver. Listen, when we got married, I was uh, living in my parents' basement. My only two expenses were paying $100 rent to my mom. My dad was here for service, and he said, hey, that $100 that you paid for rent, where did it go? And I said, it went to mom. He didn't even know about it. So I don't know. I might have got her in trouble there. But the only expense I had was my cell phone payment, and then this small little $100 rent to mom and dad for living in their basement but all the other income that I had at the time was mine to do with whatever I want. And I did, I did not save a lick of it. I did not start my 401k like I should have and like everyone told you to do. I don't know where all that money went, Um, but I'm the spender and Corbin is the saver. Number four, we don't wanna cross that foul line without tithing. So this is where this, you know, I'm the single parent and you're the teenager and I'm doing this to you. Making everybody uncomfortable. So, the dark line approaching the, or separating the approach and the lane in the bowling alley, it's called the foul line. If any part of the body crosses it or touches the lane past it, the ball is dead and worth zero points. So, what I want to compare, and it even has a little warning right on it, it'll say out in Heath, it says, slip hazard, do not cross the foul line. We all know those shoes are slick. If you go past that sow sal- line, it, you're more than likely to end up on your bottom. Well, the same thing happens when we release our income down the lane of life towards our debts without tithing first. It's a slippery slope. And if we don't learn to tithe before paying those bills, it's just like scoring a zero in bowling. We end up scoring a big fat zero in life, Right? I know that for our finances at my house i would rather us be ninety percent blessed than hundred percent cursed right and again when you look back at the timeline of when we got married we we weren't good at this the first year that we got married we made a lot of mistakes in our finances and when we first started off because we had so much debt and we hadn't been using money god's way we weren't able to tithe first thing when we got married, or even within the first year. I don't know the exact date that we actually started tithing, but when we started tithing our finances and putting God first in our finances, things just start. It was like a whole new world. It was that Disney song. What's that, maybe? Oh, I'm not even going to sing it. Yeah, Aladdin. A whole new world opened up. So let's look at Luke chapter 16, verse 13. It says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And here's what Corbin and I believe. Money, not evil, not the devil, but money, is the number one competitor with God for our heart. What happens is stuff ends up getting in the way. And we can learn to serve it, the possessions and the things that we're hoarding and obtaining rather than God. I love Micah chapter 3 when he says, test me in this and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven. God is challenging us to put him first. He's asking for us to trust him with our finances. And again, we didn't do it right when we first started off, but when we um, learned to live within a budget, and we learned to get out of debt as fast as possible. We were selling stuff. We were working two to three jobs. We had even gone as far as to say, hey, we don't want to have kids until this debt thing is under control. Until we can learn to live in a godly way, we don't want to bring kids into this because we knew it was going to be so much harder once we had to buy diapers and formula and childcare and everything else that goes along with children. Um, But I truly, truly believe had we had still been buried in that debt, In 2010, in 2011, in 2012, I really think it would have been really, really hard for us to hear the voice of God giving us the next steps in life and telling us what we needed to do next. So I challenge you, don't cross that foul line without giving first. You know, fourth quarter of 2018 is already underway. We're almost a couple weeks in now. And so some of you might be looking at, starting to look at your budget and your goals for 2019. And I would just challenge you when you're looking at making maybe job changes or maybe a new position um, or family trips for 2019, that you would list out a budget for the next 12 months and that you would trust God and put your tithe first before those monthly bills. Again, you may need to lower your standard of living in order to raise your quality of life. And so to recap, number one, we wanna know our finances. We wanna put on our bowling shoes, right? Our shoes is knowledge. We wanna use a budget and put our bumpers up to eliminate spending on wants versus the needs. We need to have wise people in our lives that will speak to us, but also people that will actually listen to and take advice from. And then we need to start tithing. I challenge you not to cross that foul line without tithing first. And when we do all of these steps together, it's really a beautiful plan. It's a beautiful way of life that God has made for all of us. He does want the best for us, including our finances. And he doesn't want anything else to have a grip on our hearts, the way that finances and the way that possessions can have. But we have to learn to seek him. And we have to seek his kingdom and his righteousness first. So as we close today, um, if you'll pull out the connection card on the seat back in front of you, these are for every person every week. We encourage each person to fill these out. Um, If you're a first-time guest, you can take them to the Connect Center and we'll get a gift for you. Even if you come every single week, we still would like to have a card from you. The first box is, I would like to make a commitment to follow Jesus today. And maybe this is the first time that you're making that commitment. Maybe you're recommitting back to Him, perhaps even within your finances. The second box is how we can pray for you. Um, And I'll tell you, sometimes we don't know what all you're going through and what your family is going through if you don't mark on this card and tell us what items we can be praying over you. It is our honor, it is our privilege, it is our duty as your pastors over these. There's nothing that you guys can tell Pastor Corbin that's going to make him shy away from the call of God in his life. He loves to pray over your prayer request and to pray over your families each and every week. And then the third box is God is asking me to. If there's any part of this message that kind of got your wheel spinning or maybe it's setting up that budget, the dreaded B word for 2019, we just challenge you to do that you owe it to your families like God has given us last week we sang the new wine song and I love that song because it says look at all that he has given us and all that he has done if we truly believe that Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives we should want to give back to him look at all that He has given us and all that he has done for us it's the least that we can do Daryl will be up in just a moment Thank you for listening to the Life Change Church Podcast. If you were here today and you were listening and you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Or maybe you're here and you're listening and that God is asking you to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section, please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ. Let us know what God is asking of you and if you need prayer, we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you. Have a great week.